Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. I'm your host, Jake McAtee. And this week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Pastor Toby Sumter. Brand new on Canon Plus is his marriage seminars, keying off of his book, No Mere Mortals. So if you haven't read No Mere Mortals, you can find it at mycanonplus.com. And if you would like marriage seminars from Pastor Toby Sumter, on the same subjects, you can find them at mycanonplus.com. If you haven't subscribed, I highly recommend it. The more folks we have supporting us through Canon Plus, the more we can do neat things like this. That's mycanonplus.com. Subscribe today. Now, without further ado, meet Pastor Toby Sumter. All right, now welcoming on special guest, Pastor Toby Sumter of King's Cross Church. Yeah. He is the author of Bloodbot World and No Mere Mortals, which you can find on Canon Plus. And as of this week, you can now find the marriage seminars that key off that book, No Mere Mortals, now available on Canon Plus. Pastor Toby, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I think this, I think this is my first time. It is. First I, time, <laughs> second time recorded, first yeah, time airing. Right. We really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I regret about the first recording that yes. was lost is, yes. is the fact that you uh, you you predicted that you were going to be engaged. I Yeah, and I'm engaged now. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a ring just burning a hole in my pocket. I, I was just excited that you mentioned <laughs> yeah. that on, and then, and then that was my one disappointment. I don't know anything. I don't remember anything else we talked yeah. about, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well now, yeah. But I thought, man, that was way to go. You just like announced you're going to get engaged and Yeah, well, I knew that it wouldn't come out to about yeah, this week. I, I, so I, I thought, I, yeah. you know what? Yeah. I'll at least have to have done yeah, it by then. Right. Yeah. So and, and congratulations. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Um and so I guess this I mean, what better topic, you know, marriage. Yeah. Uh I just had my first marriage uh premarital counseling. Very good. So uh, I feel totally adequate to lead this interview. <laughs> um, before we jump in, though, do you mind uh, just introducing yourself to, to us? How, how did you end up here in this chair talking to me about marriage books? I don't know. But, uh, it was it's a long story. Well, um, yeah, where, where do I begin? I um, Well, just broadly, I am I'm blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Uh, my dad is also a pastor, and so I grew up in a, in a Christian home where I was um, taught the gospel from an early age, um, brought up in the faith. Um, I came out to Moscow originally uh, to go to New St. Andrews College okay. in uh, 1998. Um, early. And uh, graduated in 2002. Yeah, in fact, I, I just went to the New St. Andrews graduation a week or two ago. And uh, it dawned on me while I was driving there in the car that it's 2022, which means I graduated college 20 years ago. Wow. Which just makes you feel a little yeah. less young. Were, yeah. <laughs> were you at the Nazareth? Were you at the, yeah. where, where did you graduate? Where did uh, they have graduations then? My graduation ceremony was a tiny ceremony in the field house, actually. Oh, we, okay. we were on nice. the stage at the Logos field house. Um, but it was, much smaller than I, assume, most. Yeah. There were, I think there were actually at graduation, uh, Karee Harkin Apple was yes. awarded the Veray prize, which yes. the board awards every uh, year or regularly to graduates, um, who have done outstanding work, um, yeah. that sort of embodies what we're looking for in terms of shaping culture. And, uh, sh she graduated with me. 
Awesome. So, we were, so she was awarded that this year. Yeah. 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 And, awesome. But she graduated when my, we were in the same class um, 20 years ago. And I think there was seven or eight of us that's awesome. that graduated in the same class. And, and you know, this year, you know, it was like 30 some odd or whatever. Yep. So, um, yeah. So I graduated from um, New St. Andrews, loved the community. My wife and I got married in 2000. While okay. I was actually in college, she finished at U of I. Um, loved the community. Loved particularly uh, the number of young married families that were here that okay. were seeking to I think just really um, take maybe what you might think of as sort of boilerplate Christian assumptions about marriage but, and really um, go further up and further in. Um, a lot of that was due to Pastor Doug's preaching and teaching and his marriage books, Reforming Marriage and yep. uh, Her Hand in Marriage and Future Men and um, uh, Federal Husband, all yep. that whole series. Um, I think hearing that... Um, preached, taught, and then seeing it lived out was just really inspiring and encouraging. So we weren't in a hurry to leave at all. Awesome. Um, so I, I started Greyfriars Hall, which is a ministerial training program here. Okay. Primarily just because I wanted to keep studying with Pastor Doug, not because I wanted to be a pastor necessarily. When you say you started it, that you was it was already a program running at the time? Sorry, yeah. It was a program that I started attending. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was going. Ben Merkel went through that program. Awesome. Um, some other folks have gone through that program. But um, I... Uh, didn't know that I wanted to be a pastor, but that's what God used actually to warm me up to the ministry. Okay. Um, did that for four years, went to seminary in South Carolina for two years. Um, and uh, then got, came back here and I've been, you know, pastoring since uh, I pastored briefly in South Carolina while I was in seminary. And then, um, I pastored a sister congregation here at Trinity Reformed Church for about 10 years, uh, pastor at Christ Church for, uh, three or four years, and now pastor of King's Cross, which is a new church that Christ Church just planted here in Moscow. Awesome. Um, so I suppose all those things in various ways have, have led you here. Have led me to this <laughs> yeah. moment, Jake, sitting in <laughs> yeah, this chair right. right across from me. Right. Um, and it all makes sense. That all checks out. It's very winsome, <laughs> you know, to land you here. Um, now, so one thing reading through No Mere Mortals, um, I am someone, I'm a kind of book person, like I, I very much enjoy footnotes, mm -hmm. and I very much enjoy um, watching just authors across their, um, there's a word for it uh, that I'm now forgetting, but across their books, across their catalog. Yeah. <clears throat> and catalog. <laughs> what's that? Cat yeah, just, yeah, catalog, I'm, yes. I'm just agreeing uh, with you. Yes. Yeah. Um, and just from Bloodbot World to this, it's it's very clear in your works that you want to raise the stakes on whatever it is you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, do you agree with that? And and can you maybe introduce us to to No Mere Mortals? Yeah, um, yeah. I think it was it was funny. I th I think I don't know. Did we talk about this last time, or maybe we talked about this in another conversation? But um, it it's I I hadn't thought about some of the common themes between two of my books. Um, yeah, but. Um, uh, another book, I don't know if you mentioned this in the introduction, but, um, is uh, called a son for glory, yep, um, which Job. is uh, a book is a short commentary on the book of Job, um, which was, I think my first kind of real book. Um, and, um, and I think there are common themes between them all that I hadn't really thought about until you, yeah, I think you yeah. pointed it out and you're I like, did, yeah. you like to do this. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I do like <laughs> to do this. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah. Themes of, um, yeah, um, maturity and glory and suffering kind of all seem to sort of blend and, and, and weave through them um, through my books. And, and No Mere Mortals um, grew out of 
I don't know, I guess maybe about 15 years now of, uh, actually premarital counseling. Nice. Um, nice. <laughs> <and> I <was laughs> like, fine, I'm going to write it down. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, uh, and so, uh, I, d- I was doing, this is a college town. There's so many young people yep. getting married constantly and, uh, which is glorious and wonderful. Um, and, uh, and so I was doing enough of those things where I realized after like the first year or so, like I'm, I was just getting confused about what I had talked about with who. Yeah. And so, and I, and it's one of those things where, you know, you think it's cute that older people can't remember what they told you, but it like, it really happens. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're like, I'm not even, you know, there I was in my thirties and I couldn't remember yeah. what I told, you know, which story I, it was fine for Pastor <laughs> Doug. To say, yeah, that's I, right. Have I told you the story before? Yeah. Um, but who I, you can never tell him. No, of course I've already heard it. Please no, don't no, go on. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's still good. Yeah. Um, anyways, so I decided to just sort of like solidify a kind of a curriculum that I did with couples. And it's just basically three sessions okay. um, that I just sort of made my standard. And then depending on the situation, you know, sometimes you, you morph it or whatever, but, um, and that basically became the backbone of no mere mortals. The, the first session is um, kind of grounding identities in Christ, your testimony, um, what it means to be a Christian and get married, first of all, first and foremost. Um, and then um, the second session, we worked through Ephesians five, um, that, famous wedding text, husbands and wives, yep. mimicking Christ in the church. And then the third session is first Peter three. Okay. And I just sort of, and then there's different themes I pull out of each of those texts. And those is basically what formed the, uh, the chapters. And then some, and then if I'm doing the wedding, I usually meet a fourth time and we actually go over the ceremony. And actually I, I end the whole book with, um, a kind of a theology of weddings and a sample ceremony and some thoughts on receptions and stuff like that. But, um, and there's a few other odd, you know, I I threw a couple other, um, chapters in on, um, uh, purity, sexual purity, um, uh, children and birth control and that kind of stuff. But, um, and as I, you know, was working on it with the Canon guys, um, I think it was Brian Cole who um, primarily said, you know, this stuff is not just for couples preparing to be married. This is the kind of thing that everybody needs to hear. And of course he's right. I mean, that's, those are all texts that every married couple needs to hear. And, um, singles who are preparing for marriage, people who are engaged, uh, people who are newlyweds or you've been married for 50 years. It really is that. And so, um, there are a few places here and there where maybe it, it leans slightly to premarital, but it's, uh, been prime mostly, um, uh, uh, expanded to basically, uh, scattershot hit everybody, uh, that's, um, anywhere close to married or been married for a long time. I I've been told, uh, there are a few things wasted on the newlyweds, which are premarital counseling (laughs) and then, uh, a registry, (laughs) you know, what do they know about what what do they need? Yeah, it's true. You're you're just basically (laughs) trying to create a few categories for them to be working in and then, and then, yeah, let them, you know, be in love, get married. And then, yeah, a few months, years down the road as, uh, as they have to grow, yep. um, uh, and mature, uh, you give them categories to begin working with and, um, and hopefully they remember a few things. You use an example in the introduction, um, from pastor Chris Wiley. Yeah. And I, I don't remember where he said it. It may have been a grace agenda, but I, I was glad, I was glad to see it the minute I saw it because I was like, man, I I remember this example 
I, I had it in my mind right when you mentioned yeah. it. Do you mind telling us about yeah. it? It's I'm going to butcher it if I try to. Yeah, no, I, I actually don't remember where I got it either. So I, I, I need to ask him sometime, yeah. I, uh, but I have no idea. But I remembered him saying it, and I thought, that is so good and so true. Um, and he said basically something along the lines of, um, for people who you know, believe in complementarianisms, you know, sort of believe that what, you know, he, Ephesians 5 uh, teaches about the headship of a man and, and the submission of a woman, they frequently nevertheless don't have any idea what it's for. And, and because we've lost um, a sense of what the household is for, what, what marriage is even for, um, it might be in Household in the War for the Cosmos. It might be. It could be in there. I don't know. But that, you know, book plug. Yeah. Uh, definitely right. buy it anyways. Um, but he says, um, you know, for, for, for those people who basically have a modern um, sort of um, uh, anemic view of the household and marriage, um, headship basically means that the man is the one who gets to decide, you know, when, when the most important thing you do every day is decide what you're going to watch on TV that night. Basically, headship means I get to have the remote, right? Which is the dumbest thing in the world, <laughs> right? It's, right, like, it's right. like like if if that's what headship means, like like you can understand why conservatives keep losing, yep, because that just doesn't make sense. Now, I I, I happen to agree that you know it'd be better to be a simplistic fundamentalist. And just right. obey God, right. even if all you think it means is, I guess that means I'm in charge of the remote, yeah, honey. Yeah. And everybody's like trusting God. I mean, like, I guess, okay, I'd rather have that sure. than the, 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 the flaming liberal, the sure. rebel that just says, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. We should obey even if we don't understand. Yep. But man, it's nice when you can kind of have a bigger uh, understanding. And, and that's, what, um, that's what Wiley does a great job of expanding, but basically just like o- opening up a world of, you no. Know, there's so much more at stake in marriage yeah. and family than what are we going to watch for TV tonight? It, it did seem to perfectly encapsulate sort of what I sensed was your motivations for the book. Do you mind walking us through uh, what is No Mere Mortals? Where did the name come from yeah. and how does that relate? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a, I, um, I'm stealing from uh, C.S. Lewis and um, it's it's taken from a um, a message that I think he gave it originally as a sermon that it's ended up in a number of his collections. And there's a little book with the title, "The Weight of Glory," yeah. and um, and in there um, he's he's particularly just underlining uh, underlining the um, the stakes of human existence, and and says that um, we have um, never interacted with a mere mortal. Um, everyone that we interact with all day long um, is someone who's going to live forever. And they're going to live forever either as, um, as a, a, such a glorious creature that you would be tempted to fall down and worship them, or they're going to live forever as something hideous, uh, something out of the, your worst nightmare that it would cause you to recoil in horror from. Um, and he's talking there about heaven and hell. He's talking about the way um, creatures, you know, either glorified in eternity in heaven or creatures eternally, um, you know, sort of decomposing in hell. Um, it, the stakes are high because we we have immortal souls, and so and he, he lists, you know, you know the the from the, um, the the checker at the grocery store to the person you're riding the train with to the, um, the person, you know, um, the people that we we live with, talk with, work with, and marry. Um, there are no mere mortals. 
And so he's talking about that in a m- broader sense. Um, but I thought that it, it, that as I was, as I was thinking about, um, you know, in some ways as you're working through the biblical texts, it's not like I'm saying something brand new. I'm really covering a lot of ordinary parts of marriage. Yep. Um, and, and in many respects, I'm also, you know, very gladly and gratefully standing, um, on pastor Wilson's shoulders, on the shoulders of my own parents, um, who modeled a Christian marriage for me. Um, and, um, but, but I'm trying to say it maybe in a new way or in yep. a way that is, is helpful to a new generation. Um, but I thought that, um, that kind of captures at, at the root level, how high the stakes are. Yep. Um, we, um, sometimes I, I point, I say, I say it this way that, um, we instinctively, um, um, understand headship and submission when it comes to those things that we think are very important. So, um, you know, a police officer who says stop or turns their sirens on, you know, you don't usually, you don't be like, now, you know, you don't argue with them and, you know, and they pull you over like, now this doesn't mean I'm less human than you, (laughs) you know, like, like, I don't have to submit to you. I mean, you're equal. Like everybody was like, you know, pull it like, what were you speeding? Like obey, like submit, like, and, um, you know, or the judge orders something like, well, you have to obey. It's the judge. These are hierarchies that we're very... Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, your boss says you have to be at work at a certain time. And, and yeah. your friends don't all be like, man, what an oppressive patriarchy, you know, um, that, you know, that you, you have to obey your boss. You believe in obeying your boss? Right. And, no, everybody understands. And that's because we worship political power and money. But if a, if a Christian wife tells a, a group of gals at a, you know, coffee date, oh, it's five. I, my, my husband said I needed to be home by five. She will get a number of concerned looks from her Christian girlfriends wondering if everything's okay. Right. Is everything okay? Do we need to be praying for you? And she's like, no, my husband asked me to be home by five. What, what's wrong with that? And even in conservative circles, like, well, be careful because, you, yeah. know, you, know, you know, headship can go badly. Right. You know, we'll be praying for you and just send us a message if you need any help. And, but, it, but that tells you, they don't, they don't, we don't think instinctively that something important is happening in marriage. but fundamentally in marriage and in family people who will live forever are being made they're being conceived and born but then they're being made for a number of years you know a husband and wife are at work still making one another in a certain sense yeah. as they love and serve one another but even more than that bringing children into the home practicing hospitality welcoming strangers um, through the ministry of marriage and the family and the home uh, immortal souls that will live forever, either in immortal glory or in immortal horror, are being formed and shaped. The stakes are high. Um, I use the the language. Uh, sometimes I also describe it as you know, um, you know, it, it really is um, the family. Really is nuclear. Yeah. We. It, it, I think. I think the the phrase originally was was coined to describe um, sort of the atomic nature in the sense that the the smallest molecule of human society is the family right which is true but the same by the same token um it is nuclear it is um it's powerful right and um you know even you know sometimes in in these uh these western red states i'll ask a, a an audience or a congregation you know here who here believes in the second amendment and you know, rah, rah, yeah, all yeah. the hands go up. And who thinks that 
you know, the people should have the same amount of firepower as the government to discipline, you know, to, to, to defend themselves against Trump. Rah, rah, rah. Who thinks that people should have nukes? <laughs> There's always one guy in Idaho yeah, 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 in the back sure. row who says, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm like, but every, but the enthusiasm is definitely damper. It slows down. It slows down. And you, you say, why? Why, why don't you want, you know, uh, Jed next door playing with uranium in his basement. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because you don't, because what he's doing in his basement with uranium or plutonium or whatever could nuke yep. um, the whole county. Yeah. It could ruin your Wednesday for sure. Yes. Like, yeah. And, and so I, I tell people when God, like in the Old Testament, for example, in the civil codes, said that um, sometimes adultery should be penalized with the death penalty. Sometimes a yeah. son could be so rebellious and such a horrific person that the parents might want to bring him to the elders of the city and ask them to consider executing him. Um, so, and we look at that and think, yeah, God was so harsh back on the Old Testament. Old Testament God, just real yeah. mean and angry. And thank goodness, you know, Jesus came and he turned over a new leaf. And no, no, people. No, the reason why God puts flashing red lights and orange cones and yellow tape all around the family is because it's nuclear. And then it starts to make sense. Why did God say, okay, and the man, you're in charge. Right. <laughs> like, ah, right, right. <laughs> I don't want to be in charge. <laughs> make her in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the woman says, no, he's in charge. Because, well, we know that when something important is happening, the stakes are high and somebody's got to be responsible. Yeah. So, you know, judges, governors, bosses, CEOs, dads, fathers, husbands, pastors. And so um, if something goes wrong, it's your fault. And the stakes are high. We're not just punishing evildoers. That's the state. We're, we're not just making money or widgets. That's a business. We're making immortal souls that will live forever. The stakes are high. And frankly, we're living in the nuclear fallout of um, playing with family for the last 70 years. Yeah. We, within the last 60, 70 years, basically we said, no, thanks God, we'll do it our own way. Divorce for whatever you want, adultery, free sex, free love, abortion on demand. A burger fell. A burger fell, all of it. And, um, and basically, you know, so, you know, sometimes when I do evangelism on campus, uh, the college students will come up and be like, so, you know, I couldn't believe in a God who would, you know, have the death penalty for adultery. And, and I, you know, you believe in that, you know, first of all, Christians, you should just say, well, absolutely I do. Right. That's God's word. I'm not ashamed of any of it. It's there. It's good. But, but let's compare. What are the stats? You killed 60 million babies. The incarceration rates of, you know, people are through the roof. How many millions of people are in prison? Drug addiction, suicide, fatherlessness, you know, um, who, we rejected God's standards. I would absolutely take the occasional death penalty for adultery or rebellion right. over what you've done to right. our land. Right. Um, the, the, it's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even close. Who's the bloody one? Right. right. God's standard is always more gracious. Um, but I think it points to the fact that the stakes are high. That's why there's headship. It's not just about who controls the remote control. That's right. dumb. It's about, it's about making people immortal souls that will have this this massive impact on this world and for eternity. The with with the remote example you mentioned, there's sort of um, 
you know, you'd much prefer sort of like a simple fundamentalist yeah. who may not have the imaginative capacity or, or in not, and not, not because they're simple, but just because they, they don't have this imaginative capacity of raising the stakes yeah. or you have somebody who's solely rejecting it saying like, well, that's all very dumb. It does seem to have this, you have, have a tall task in sort of giving them this, raising the stakes on what is actually happening in a, in a like good way, mundane everyday thing. Right. Um, it kind of reminds me of a similar thing with when you, you know, when you say, no, a woman can't fill a pulpit because she doesn't have the authority. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't actually have to do with the practical means of public speaking right. or with anything of that nature. Like I, I've watched that before where it's, um, oh, actually she's like way better at public speaking right. than, than that guy. Right. Um, and how, how do you go about, you know, offering people well, no, there's this thing called authority. The, yeah. And like it, it feel it means something and it you can feel it and it's a real thing. Uh anyway, do you do you do you see that? Yeah. Is that something similar? Do you feel like you're trying to give somebody this thing that maybe they've not even ever ran into? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I do. And I think there's a lot probably more to it than I've even worked through sure. um yet. But I think the way that I've um found it somewhat helpful to explain and it seems like it's it resonates with guys in particular is it, um the bible teaches that god made men first so that they could bleed first so that they could die first yeah so that's what authority is actually for yep. authority is for laying your life down for the good of others and so adam was made first and then god cut him open in order to create eve Yep. The first surgery in the history of the world happened. First blood was spilled. It was perfect surgery in a perfect world, but nevertheless, he was cut. A rib was broken out, um, and God made Eve. That's a pattern, and um, the New Testament writers actually point to the fact that God made Adam first, um, and that that's um, that has theological and practical significance. Um, and in fact, Paul brings it up. In 1 Timothy 2, when he's talking about women having authority over men, the man was made first, right. not the woman. And we think, what? <laughs> yeah. And all God's people said, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but but um, he points to that and says, that's why a, man a woman should not have authority over a man. And he's talking there about worship right. in, in church, um, preaching and teaching. And, and so um, I think the connection is exactly right. And, but I, and I think the, at least the initial connection is um, this is because um, pastoral ministry and basically leadership and authority of all sorts is intended by God um, to always picture um, Christ. And that means that it's a gift and honor for a man to die first, to get shot first, yep. to stand between his people and any threats. Right. And so off the boat last. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, it, you know, into the fray first and off the boat last, yeah. um, it, that, that, um, sort of, that sort of notion. And, um, and so, um, it's authority. It really is authority, but it's a, it's an authority that bleeds, yeah. um, because it imitates Christ in that way. And God, um, God made men for this. So the, the glory of man is his strength. And that strength is for being cut. It's for being shot at. It's for being, it's for losing your life first. That's the glory of man. 
And so that's why God puts men um, in positions of leadership, not so they could boss a bunch of people around, um, but so that they might sacrificially lead, standing between their people and any threats until they die. Yeah, I, I, um, a random tangent. Yes. As I was thinking, and then it was your fault too. You brought up Chris Wiley's book. Yes. Um, I'll take full responsibility. Yeah. He, he goes into, man, the family codes are very important. These are the rules of the new cosmos. Like yeah. they're, they're, they're not just sort of, uh, the classic, whether it's like the marriage, uh, a wedding homily or, or anything like that. He, he tries to also raise the stakes on yep. things like the family code. But I was thinking in terms of, um, you know, a world in which we live in, where it's a lot of, we have the luxury of where a middle-class lives a very comfortable yep. life. Um, it reminded me of, uh, Rene Girard's book and I forget what it's called, Sacrifice and it's really, it's one of those books. Yeah. Scapegoats or something like that. Or yeah. Something, yeah. And he was talking through, um, essentially, um, one of the, so for example, he brings up, um, uh, he brings up Oedipus and he talks about, um, what they're communicating by the means of which, by the means of what happened. So, uh, he doesn't believe Oedipus did it, but what happened to Oedipus was that he, um, it turned out he was sleeping with his mother yeah, and, he'd kill and his, he ended up uh, killing his father. Yeah, right. And Gerard talks about how, what he's like channeling to an older society is that like things are unraveling. Right. And like one way of showing patricide was a huge devastating thing. Uh, so, and it's hard for, you know, it's hard for us to consider where something like a blood feud could totally devastate a community. Mm -hmm. You know, you just yeah. kill people till there's no one left and all of a sudden everything's gone. Right. Um, similarly with the family, like it helped me see at least when Paul says, here are the family coats, mm -hmm. this, you're building a civilization. Right. And things like honor your parents yeah. cannot be taken for granted. Right. Uh, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and it, and that helped me understand now where Ephesians is like, this is a new world civilization building right. kind of book. Right. The stakes are very high. Right. And I think that's all bound up in the image of God and immortal souls. So we bear God's image. There's nothing in all of creation that is um, closer to God. There's the infinite creator creature divide, which we can't get anywhere close to crossing. But at the very pinnacle of creation is man and woman made in God's image with immortal souls. There's nothing in all of creation that's as potent and powerful as that because it bears God's image, which means that when it's, when it's put to its right uses, it's potent for good. Right. But as it's twisted, it is very potent for evil. And this is where I think the um, Gerard um, has really keen insight is that I think recognizes that to um, guilt um, uh, uh, for sin um, demands blood. Yep. And, um, and so, and that guilt for sin is a, is a guilt over defacing God through his creation, which deface, it's, which is a, it pulls, um, civilization apart, um, as, as you're saying, yeah. um, it is a sort of an attempt to return creation to an original chaos, absolutely nothingness. But, um, so when that is happening, the, this blood, these blood feuds break out though, because there needs to be blood right. to cover the guilt. Yep. And it's an attempt to try to get back to a status quo ante, uh, you know, back to a blank slate to try to build a, a, a world again. 
And, um, and Gerard's um, genius is pointing out that Jesus is the only perfect scapegoat, right? The, the only one who act, whose blood actually can atone for sin and um, start things over so that you can actually build a new world. And that's what Paul and the other apostles kind of finally got. They said, oh, that's what's happened. We don't need any of those bloody sacrifices anymore. We have the blood of Jesus so that we're washed clean, so that we can be forgiven, so that the animosity and enmity is taken away it's gone. so that um, we can actually build good things in our marriages and families so that we right. can build a civilization, um, a, a new cosmos uh, again. Right. And it, it makes it feel to, I think, people shaped by like our current world, which is a gift from God mm -hmm. that we don't have to worry about a blood feud tackling, right. taking except, out the Sumters. Well, except that we actually have it. Right. Um, so we have it in the murder of unborn babies. Correct. And we have it in That's... the and we have it in the disfiguring of transgender people. Right. So it's I I think the, the issue actually it, it's it can't really go back to paganism because I think I think Jesus rose from the dead and changed something fundamental about the nature of the universe. But I do think that when you reject Jesus, you're always still looking for blood. Right. And that's why I think, for example, this, you know, we're talking while, um, you know, rumors are still swirling around that Roe versus Wade is going to be um, yeah. overturned. And the liberals are literally shrieking and pulling their hair out like their world is coming apart. Yeah. And that's because they have attempted to, um, all cities are built on blood. This is actually a rule in the world. All cities are built on blood. Um, but the only question is, is either it's built on the blood of Jesus in which case no one else's blood needs to be shed or else is going to be blood built on the blood of innocence, babies, sons of the King. You know, you're going to have to sacrifice the King's daughter for good sailing winds. You're going right. to, um, you're going to disfigure bodies. Um, you're going to turn people into eunuchs that, I mean, that, that paganism, um, you know, the Aztecs were onto something, yep. yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so cities and civilizations are always built on blood. The question is, is it, will it be the blood of Jesus or will it be somebody else's blood? I think that's very good. And, and it's interesting because, um, you bring back up the stakes. It, do, it does seem like Christians and non-Christians alike, and maybe more often non-Christians are actually clued into the game. We are building a world. Right. We are headed somewhere. We're doing something. We're moving towards a thing. And here are the means. We're very clear about the means. Yep. It is built on blood or, or, or that kind of thing. Um, and so grateful for any opportunity, I suppose. We can point to people for the stakes are very high. Right. We're headed somewhere. We're right. doing something. Yeah. And yeah. So when a husband is loving his wife and providing for her and protecting her and cherishing her and nourishing her, he is, he is helping, he is modeling the love of Christ and he's building a Christian city. He's building through his family. When a woman is... Um, is submitting to her husband, respecting him, um, cultivating life and beauty in her home and ministering that life and beauty to those around her through hospitality and service and so on. She is building the kingdom. And when you raise up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you're, you're raising them up as subjects of the king. And, um, and it's glorious. The stakes are high. And so whenever we sin, we want to confess it. We want to it cleansed by the blood of Jesus so that we're not trying to look for blood from someone else, from somewhere else, because that's what happens. That's what dysfunction in a family is, is guilt and shame. And then you start trying to squeeze some kind of atonement out of your kids, out of your spouse, out of your mom, out of your dad. You know, you blame somebody, someone turns into a scapegoat, but right. it's a false Christ and it's a false savior. And it, 
and it ultimately will blow that family apart. If it's, yeah. And the fallout will be, will go on for generations. But the glorious thing is that the blood of Jesus is real and it's on offer all the time. And all you have to do is go and confess your sins, whatever it is, anger, bitterness, resentment, lies, lust, all of it. And the blood of Jesus washes it clean and you get to start right over and it's glorious. You're forgiven. The enmity dies and you begin to rebuild trust and you get right back to work. And, um, and so, and it's amazing. One of the lies of the devil, of course, is that once you've sinned, he wants you to think it's too late now. There's nothing that can be done. It's too late now. It's broken now. And or at worst, your own blood will do. Yeah. Or, right. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and then when you despair, maybe you say, well, maybe it would be better if I wasn't here. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, there's nothing that can be done. This is the way it is. And it's a lie of the devil. He's the father of lies and he is the accuser, which is what Satan means. Um, but uh, Jesus came that we might have life and life abundant. He gave his life to destroy that despair. And the, and the glorious thing really is, is that a tiny little act of repentance in true faith in, the, in, in Christ can do far more to heal and cleanse and put things right um, than you can even imagine. And, um, and there are countless testimonies of people who come from wrecked marriages, wrecked families, abusive fathers, abusive mothers, you know, didn't even know the Bible, don't know Jesus or anything. God saves them and turns their life around. And now generations of faithfulness are coming from them. Um, again, this isn't us, it's the grace of God, but it also is built into the way God made the world such that when I, when a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve truly repents, um, and the Holy spirit comes and dwells in them, there's power there and it can make a huge impact. A testament to, to what you were saying earlier about, um, blood is required always, sacrifices are required always. And like what we're experiencing and what we get to see God's gift to us is to participate with like what a potent sacrifice yeah. like leads to what right. it, what comes of it, the right. fruit of that kind of thing That's right. is what you're describing. Right. And it makes, and then, it, and then it makes everything, it actually makes everything glorious and meaningful because, because of the potency of Christ, it, it, um, it puts meaning back in doing the dishes, meaning back into, um, sweeping the mopping the floor, going to work, being a bookkeeper, doing your, your duties before the Lord, keeping the household codes, gladly saying, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm laying bricks in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what I'm doing. Amen. I don't really know how to, I mean, that seems like the right place to stop. Probably so. Thank you, Pastor Toby. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate Appreciate it. it. Yep.